Okay, now we're recording, so say hi. I say hi, All but right. I don't want to scream in your ears, you, so you, we're just testing here. You don't, but if you want to talk a little bit louder, okay, um, that's good. So good. No, uh, I will. There. No, I will talk louder. That right there is perfect. That fine by me. Okay, good. no worries. <laughs> so I have Ivana de Jager with me today, my very best Dutch girlfriend and my special guest co-host. So what we're doing right now is establishing the format. Ivana and I sometimes will have in-depth conversations with each other about things that are on our mind, things we've been discussing and debating for many, many years. Um, There's going to be also other times where I will be interviewing female entrepreneurs, female leaders, and um, I may invite Ivana to come and listen to that conversation and comment um, with me afterwards to spark our conversation. So, I'm so excited. I know. <laughs> um, also, I'm very much trying to get my ums and my you knows out of my speech. Well, just edit it out. I yeah, mean, but I, I also I realize I want to try and not do this in real life. But maybe it sounds fabricated. I mean, everybody uses the ums and the uh and the uh. Yeah, but for me I start every sentence with, so tell me, but then in Dutch. Zegmar mm. <laughs> or yeah. of how do you say zeg. Hey, zeg. Hey, yeah. As if somebody needs a push to, to, to say something to me. Anyway, it's ridiculous. <laughs> One of the many things that we're going to be talking about are the, the nuanced and sometimes not so nuanced differences between our two beautiful languages. Because sometimes there are things that are just expressed so succinctly and perfectly in Dutch. More often than not, that happens in English. Um, um, I mean, of course. I mean, the English, the way you use the English language, it's so much better than the average Dutch thing. I mean, we don't have any hills, so even our language is like flat, or at least I think so. I mean, don't say this to any near somebody who studied the Dutch language, but the way we use it day to day, it's just flat. There's not that many nuances as there are in English. That was one of the many difficulties or obstacles I had to overcome learning your language is the way that you say things, even translated directly back into English, sound so You get it immediately. You're like, is that actually how you express that? Because that sounds so rude or so not, not, this is going to be so, (laughs) but it sounds like caveman speak to me. Yeah, but there's two ways to look at it as far as I I go. Really? That's how you say that? Yeah. I go. Well, okay. we're, we're just a bunch of very efficient people. Yeah. I mean, in, in English, you probably say, so don't mind me if I think that I should be going. And I was just, yeah. I go. I mean, I that's go. it. I, yeah, I think I'm going to take off, take off, guys. It's like, ich ha. Ich ha. Ich ha weg. I go away. Yeah, but okay. It, okay, if you say it like that, yes, we are cavemen. But if we if I say it just like I would, I would say, hey, Beth, ich ha. Yeah. And that sounds friendly, I th- or at least I think so. Just tell me if it if it isn't. But you have to take a leap of faith. Like, okay, I'm going to try this now. I'm going to say ikha, <laughs> and I hope that no one looks at me like I'm a cave woman. But yeah. and the same goes with sayings. Hmm. I mean, half the time I say to you, okay, I can only say this by a Dutch. Is it is it a saying? Yeah, outdrooking yeah. an expression, a saying. An expression. Yeah. So let me just literally translate this, hmm. and 
90% of the time you get it because again it's a very direct flat way of saying things yeah and just by translating it literally you, you think oh okay I get it the other thing I think is adorable because your vocabulary is so small and you do express nuanced sentiments through expressions that quite often Dutch people think that um, an expression is yours and yours alone. <laughs> like, I'm going to get this somewhat wrong, but the grass is altijd groener bij de buren. In English, the go. grass is always greener on the other side. In Dutch, it's the neighbor's grass is always greener. They're like, well, you know, we have the saying. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> sweeties, everybody says that, you know. They get a little bit disappointed, I but think. But I mean, don't let, uh, well, maybe this is um, something for the podcast. But I mean, so the the Dutch are, uh, sometimes they're really, really strange. I mean, we used to run the world, so to speak. I mean, we talked about this like a zillion times, mm. but everybody thinks that we are this very liberal, you know, people that adjust really easily. And this is why we conquered the world in the 17th and 18th mm -hmm. century. Basically, we're not that kind. We just want to make a lot of money. So it's very efficient yeah. to make sure the mic's right in front of your face. Like, yeah. I, can you see, so you see how you can't see my mouth? Yes. Yeah, okay. I, there we go. I'll do it. Yeah, okay. There we go. So we talked about this a zillion Much times. Better, that yeah. the, the reason we speak our languages is not because we adjust so easily or we really want to, you know, um, have uh, other people like us. No, it's just. The, the way to do business the mm. minute you speak somebody else's language you just make a shitload of money so i think and again to learn dutch i mean you know this it's horrible to learn dutch so nobody speaks it so we were always it was always necessary for us to learn other languages so we're going from left to right Beth. that's what Sorry. we do if this yes. is a long form podcast yes. so quite often i might pick up on a word or phrase that you're saying and we'll go in a totally different direction and explore that totally that's following what your this lead is all about it's what yeah. i do best <laughs> oh let's explore that aspect of our relationship so ivana and i have not seen each other in person for a very long time. A couple of months. No, it's been a year, I think. Well, you went to my place before. I mean, yeah. in any case, shame on me. Yes. No, 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 no. But but we got used to seeing each other all the time because we were working together for a while. And then it went from seeing each other several times a day or, you know, to, to having gone like eight, nine months without seeing each yes. other. Um yes. So now I can like pull you back into my lair because yes. I've roped you in to do this podcast with me. But this is something that we'd been talking about for years. Um, one of the things that's so beautiful about Ivana and my friendship is that we have the fundamentals in common, same sense of humor, um, <laughs> same... Uh, I have a love for your country. You have a love for my country. That's another that one. That is a common thread. We're both uh, a little bit cynical, I think, <laughs> in a fun way. Just a little bit. <laughs> but we also have very fundamental differences in our personality. Yes. Um, I tend to be a little bit more liberal. You tend to be a little bit more conservative. Uh, not conservative, wow. but... Wow, that's the first that somebody calls me conservative. But not in a, like a, re a scary Republican way. <laughs> yeah. I love Trump. No, hell no. But you're a little, you're slightly right of the center. I'm slightly left of the center, maybe. Maybe. Well, not, not on we, social issues, but. There you go. 
I, I, I think I know what you mean, yes. I, and just talking and thinking about this, yes, I think you are right. You are more of a communist and I'm more of a liberalist. Fascist. Fascist, oh, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah, no, no, I get what you, what you mean, yes. But I think that the, if, we, if we talk about it, I think wh what I love in you and what I get from you or what inspires me from you is the fact that you look completely different to the world than I do. So you have a very creative mind, you, the, the way you approach things. The And I mean, this was already there. I mean, it's the way we met. I mean, we sort of met, well, in the States yeah. during our Microsoft period. Right. And I sort of... How do you say that when you, you sort of lurk on somebody else's profile? So I lurked on your Facebook profile and the way y you said, well, wrote things or the way you analyze situations, you made me laugh so many times and you didn't even know me and I didn't even know you just by walking around, you know, at the office. Then we started meeting and seeing each other and we instantly connected on our humor. But what I also really enjoyed was when I started working with you, you being an entrepreneur and you, you know, punches came from left to right and you constantly had to adjust and you just had a way of, and this is where I learned the word pivot. You pivot so easily. And when I came to you and I said, I think we have a problem. And you went, okay, no, no problem. We'll just, you know, we'll just approach it from here. And then I go, okay, problem solved I couldn't get you know my sleep last night and you just solved it instantly so you have a you have a very special mind and I love that mind thank you thank you you have a very special mind too oh and God. nobody's gonna listen but to you're this also incredibly <laughs> creative because you are first of all you're much funnier than I am so it's very unequal now because you when we're yeah, maybe I can write a funny little Facebook update or whatever, but I can't really be that funny when we're talking and you make me laugh way more than I make you laugh. <laughs> I don't think so. And so, oh, for sure. Um, and that's, I always feel bad about that. You know, I'm like, I have to think of something funny to say to Ivana because she's made me laugh five times. Okay, and... so the next <laughs> time you feel that way, please remember what happened when we were in Ermelo in the beauty parlor thing and oh, that yeah. you started sharing a story I cannot share it out loud I think we I don't even know the we English. can share this story you think well yes. you have to tell the we story. will save this story I'm for too the conservative actual, no, no, to we tell can, the story. we'll save this story for the actual podcast I think this is a good one yeah um that was a pretty but okay we that's one until have, we cried and it was your story no example no, I mean the same, okay, this sounds very posh, but when we were in Cape Verde, you told the story, I laughed until I cried. I mean, I think it's quite equal, by the way. Okay, so I'm glad you think that. Please don't, 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 don't. Okay. I think we get the best out of each other we when do. it comes to, yeah. Yeah, how, how are we going to be able to do this going forward? Will you be able to make yourself available given your schedule and your energy levels and yes okay yes I can it it takes so here's another thing about us and I think that is because of the way we are built 
like our brains are built. Um, I need planning and you need spontaneous. Mm -hmm. I'm a Virgo. So a Virgo is always very organized. Well, most of them, most of, most of the time, very organized. And if there's one thing I hate, it's, it's doing something spontaneous. I mean, somebody once had a surprise party for me and I don't think I really liked it. So this is a challenge for us, I think. And But we will make it work because any time that I do something that gives me fun or pleasure or, or it gives me a good feeling, then yes, I will do it. Um, yes. One time... Um I was at, I walked in on a surprise party and when I walked in, everyone went surprise. And then I turned around really quickly and went surprise. And the surprise party was for me. No, no, no. <laughs> and I didn't know it. And well, I'm that's the around, whole point about like, a surprise who's party. The, who's that? What? What? No one told me like, who's, who's, this, who's the guest of honor? And they're like, Beth, this surprise party is for you. But did you like it? I mean, it, I ruined my own surprise because at that point I was so confused and, and it just took a really long time for me to figure out what was happening. And then it like it was over because I was panicked that like I had you. ruined somebody else's surprise by walking in at the exact moment that everybody said surprise. Hey, what you're doing here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I yeah. really let them down because I, I ruined the, mo the moment for them as well. My friends had a little surprise party for me. <sighs> Yeah. So typical me. So here we go with surprises. I don't think that will work. No. But I mean, we. I guess we should meet each other halfway. And I mean, it has been a crazy year. And I've, I've been doing, you know, this voluntary work. I started to study again, mm. which I have to tell you about. So, yeah, it's a lot. And then my mom got sick. And, it, you know, life happens. And I just put too much things in my schedule. And that makes it difficult. Mm -hmm. And... It's still an adjust, uh, adjustment, but I just love spending time with you. And by being here, I think, Jesus, where did the time go? And we need to do this more often. Yeah, I'm glad you miss Mexico. No, I know we're doing our best, but we're but trying. I but I think your my friendship with you is the friendship I always dreamed of having with a woman, yes. and the fact that we didn't meet until like we were in our mid to late forties. Say thirties, just for sure. the podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I, I just, you know, I just really, a lot of times, it's pretty easy for me, I mean, it's easier for me than maybe most people, to, when people start to float out of my life, just to, just to let them keep floating, but I've really missed you, yeah. and that's just not something I ever want to let happen. And um, and this is you, I mean, you made me not float away, and I'm, it, it was definitely, you know, it could have definitely happened, because I'm lazy with these things. And then it becomes more and more difficult to, again, call somebody after a long time. Yeah. So thank you for that, because if it wasn't for you, I would probably just float out. Well, and it's only because I missed you so much, yes. you know. Um. Yes. <laughs> and I, I guess the way I'm built, I sort of need a constant confirmation, because mm. otherwise it just, you know, float to the next thing or something. It's not something I'm proud of, by the way, and there is shame in saying this. And it makes me very conscious that I'm in a microphone. I go, is this something I want to share with other people than you? Because it's it's the side of me that I don't like. I'm I'm 
I'm very loyal up to a point, so to speak. Mm. I don't know. It's it's difficult to explain. It's not good. It's not a good thing. It's not I, a good I wouldn't thing. put a judgment value on it. I would say... No, but I can do it on myself. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. But... Go ahead. One of the things that I've discovered is that none of us are alone with these thoughts. And there's so much power and bravery in the service of others to make these confessions or reveal these aspects of our personalities that we don't like because there's so many other people out there going, oh my God, me too. I thought I was the only one. Yeah. None of us are the only one with anything. But I'm not the brave one to share this really easy. You know, I'm a very close person. I mean, you see sides of me that most people don't. Mm. Um, So... I don't know. We need to figure this out. Yeah. Maybe it is working. This podcast, just the two of us, that it works like a sort of confession in the old Catholic style. But yeah. Okay. I just feel we'll now that we're at, this, at this age, like nothing can touch us. Nothing can cancel us. Nothing can harm us because we have transitioned from the learner to the worker to the master. And we, and one of the things that, one of the reasons I'm starting this podcast is because we women have to create our own culture in our own way, on our own terms. And I listen to, yeah, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I listen to so many podcasts. Most of them are men. I have to admit another reason why I want to start this podcast is because all the, too many of the female oriented or female hosted podcasts I just find them to be really shrill trying too hard not interesting I can't guarantee that what we're doing here is going to be interesting but I felt like I had to try um but going back to the men so many of them are like oh I remember that one time when I got my first break and you introduced me to that director and and I'm like "This, this never happens with women we have to be able to start I, I look forward to the day when we can reminisce like that. Yeah. When we give each other big breaks. But this sounds, and again, this is who you are. You have that kind of bravery and you are beyond and you go like, you know, other women should know this and other women should be able to almost take an example in you. You are the brave one. I mean, it doesn't mean that I am. And you you know, just by saying, like, we shouldn't care. Yeah, but sometimes I do. Because <laughs> it takes bravery. I mean, yeah. But to me, bravery is overcoming fear and doing something anyway. Yes. I have, I don't have much fear. So I'm maybe, there's a different word, reckless or yeah. who knows. Not Reckless isn't quite, well, I'm searching for it. Self-determined, I don't know. Um, but I have the opposite of imposter syndrome. You shouldn't ask me syndrome. for all these you know specific English words because I don't know what to say but That's fine. sorry but Go I ahead. do have the opposite of imposter syndrome <laughs> uh, I'm like well of course I can do this of course I'm entitled to everything that I want and sometimes I forget that maybe I have to work for it first so I'm like wait a minute why isn't all the amazing things that I want all the praise that I want coming my way well Beth you know you gotta yeah. do the work first so what I guess narcissism. That's just narcissism. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was about. To There's say. a touch of that in there. <laughs> yeah, but I'm highly aware of it. Yeah, and I keep it in check. But I mean, this is why you go places. Mm. I mean, you need bravery, or is it called bolstery, or some some? I like bolstery. Yeah, or balls. You know, you need to have balls to get somewhere. Yeah. So and you have way bigger balls than I do. <laughs> well, and now. We get, to, to, we get to the point of the one and only joke that I ever have thought of. 
which is, and I've told you it many times, women. Oh, have the balls on their chests. Well, don't give away that punchline, oh, Duchy. Oh. I thought it was a test. I thought it was a test of our friendship. <laughs> like, do you remember what I once told you? And then I panic in my head and I go, I know the answer. I'm so, so sorry, So now honey. we are going to step into the first of our nuanced conversations. So for our listening public, of which there is one right now usually jack kerouac my black cat comes to join us jack is also our producer yeah and it's my many personalities that are listening in as well he's a very bad producer because he has no opposable thumbs so it's very hard for him to hit buttons (laughs) um and he usually has a very short attention span so he usually leaves but the joke is women have huge balls they've just been relocated honey do you want me to laugh again because i can and so a Dutch person, a Dutch person's joke would be women have huge balls. They're just on their chest. So you don't, you don't, you don't like pull the curtain back. And the reason things are funny is because somebody <laughs> like got what you were implying. But a Dutch person with a point and left culture will be like, look, she has balls on her chest. Oh, it's her tits. <laughs> and that's, that's funny. You know, you don't need like the layer of insinuation no, or relocated. I mean, yeah. Okay. Don't Just even say know. what it is. It's, that, it's, it's there. Know, it's funny. <laughs> um, oh, your balls are your tits. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Hi, Poppy. Um, Talk about a dog with tits. Anyway. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. So Poppy was, this is another thing, another story Ivana and I can share, but um, Ivana drove me to- We can do the long story. We can do the long story. Our little dog, Poppy, is a little street dog from Africa who we think has had many, many, many litters. And, you know, she's she's um, she's got a little bit tell. of sag. A little bit yeah. of sag down there. You know, she's many re- she was relocated a, balls. She has very, very good mother. <laughs> um, her little puppies were fed well, and some, some, some of them just didn't retract the way that one might expect. And I'm sure there are many mothers out there who can relate that the bounce back just didn't happen. No. We call them her, her accoutrement. Ooh. Um, that's Poppy's accoutrement down there. So it's her little accessories, her little. Yeah, love. But she's got a- I was thinking you would tell the the long story, namely, the dog came to Europe mm-hmm. during COVID. That's right. She landed on Zaventem, yeah. which is the Belgian airport in Brussels, mm-hmm. and we decided to stay the night before because the plane would land really, really early. Yeah. Now this was mid mid COVID. Hey, honey, hi. So. It was mid-mid-COVID, and we were the only guests in the hotel. It was bizarre. It was bizarre. We were on the fifth floor. We watched, we looked over the, the runway, and it was ridiculous because it was like a ghost town. We never saw any other people, and we just saw, you know, the guy fed us, and he just placed the, the food you know, on the doorstep of the the hotel room. And that was it. It was weird. It was so surreal it was a and ghost bizarre. Town. It was so, yeah. And we tried to keep, you know, a distance, but of course never, well, the minute we, we went into my car, it was just. Yeah. And now, of course, we know that it was all just ridiculous because we all got COVID anyway. So. Well, I was the last one to get COVID. When did, you, every, had, did you actually get COVID? I actually eventually? got COVID. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it was like. You know, a couple of months ago, it was like mm-hmm. I was the, the final one. So this is another topic we can get into in the podcast is how my attitudes about this stuff have changed to the point that I do 
find um, some sisterhood or brotherhood or community in the fringe that maybe isn't so fringy anymore about uh, the conspiracy around COVID and the vaccines and keeping us all under lock and key for two years. Um, I'm still doing my research on this. I am going to read uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s book on Fauci. I'm going to make up my own mind. Um, But as somebody that was injured from the vaccine, I I have some massive questions now. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the questions should be asked. So this is, okay, here we go. This is maybe why you think I'm conservative and you're more liberal. I think this is a very good example about it, uh, uh, from it. I don't know. I think that when it all started, nobody knew. I mean, nobody knew what this was. And, you know, instant decisions, you know, were made. Um, Let's not forget millions of people died because of COVID. So it was not something like, oh, we overestimated it. I mean, it was something people were dying from. There were whole villages in Italy that were just erased. So, I mean, anybody who says it was nothing, mm, that's a difficult one and it's a hard one to swallow. Yeah, I the think way we respond, so the way we reacted on it months into COVID, that's where we can have a discussion. Yes, I think we can. Yeah, yes, I agree. And um, I think, well, here are, the, here are the conclusions that I'm starting to come to. One, I think there were people that knew exactly what was going on. I am starting to come to the, I don't want to say conclusion because I'm not an expert, but readily available to accept the storyline that it came from the lab it didn't come from a wet market that there were people who knew exactly what was happening and that the approach at the beginning was completely wrong yes that we should have kept the vulnerable isolated and the rest of us were free to go about our business but and this is what we know now well but I think that the, the people who knew this the whole time were silenced and, um, and, oh, this is going to segue into the UFO thing too, my other big conspiracy <laughs> thing. But um, people didn't die of COVID. P- COVID sort of finished off the job of people that were already very ill with cancer or obesity or, um, you know, uh, type 2 diabetes. It seems like there were certain races, by the way. Sorry. Who also were probably, you know, suffering from obesity or diabetic. Um, Yes. And so the bigger question that we have to have is get our populations healthier so that we are more resistant to something like this and not so freaking fragile. But also, segueing into my other big conspiracy world is, you know, the UFO thing. Yeah. And that for the last 50 years... Any credible scientist who wanted to come forth with what I believe is the truth were made fun of, publicly humiliated, publicly discredited to silence them. It's a very easy technique uh, or to threaten them so that they silence themselves. And I think the exact same thing happened with people who had divergent opinions um, around COVID. Yeah. Well, honey, we live in strange times. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I heard you say... Um, I've done my own research. 
I mean, these are crazy times. Yeah. I mean, what research do we believe? I mean, we are victims of algorithms. We are victims of rabbit holes. Mm -hmm. We are victims of, I mean, there's no way that there, that you can ever get the actual truth because, you know, the age where we live right now, everything is, I think it's called tainted. Everything is, yeah. you know, is a, is a perspective almost. So when I hear you say I've done my research, I mean, I value really high and I think you are an extremely intelligent person, but show me the research and yeah. who has the absolute truth when it comes to research. I mean, we used to rely on scientific truth. I mean, if you don't have scientific truth, then what do you have? Then you have just a bunch of opinions. So I don't know, Beth, it's what I did see is that it can ruin friendships. It can ruin family, family dinners. It can ruin anything. So, you know, being the scared person that I am, I sort of tiptoe around it. And yeah, I'm not, and I'm not even getting into a discussion with you about yeah. this. So I don't want to say research. I'm not researching anything. Um, research means something. I'm reading, but I'm reading different things. I'm listening to people that I maybe never would have listened to before. I'm questioning the motivation behind labeling people, even people that at the outset I would absolutely detest, like Ron DeSantis, for example, the governor of Florida. But what I've been trying to do is remove all the preconceptions I have around everyone, even somebody that I think is a despicable, you know, Republican and go, okay, is there anything that this person is saying, yeah. stripping away all of the labeling around it that's at all valid? But what I hear mm -hmm. in between the lines is that most discussions are now being, and now you need to help me on my English, politicized yes. or politicalized politicized or yeah. politicized mm -hmm. so i just heard you say a couple of seconds ago even if he's a revolting uh republican i still want to know what he's so it's a good thing i mean at least you're listening to both sides yeah. but what has the political color has got anything to do when searching the truth it means that everything that the major talking points or the major developments that are happening in our society or in the world are being politicized. Yeah. What the fuck is that? Sorry. So no, we can swear on that? our podcast. Okay. So what the fuck is that? Yeah. I mean, it used to be one scientist against the other one and saying, so this is what I researched and this is what I found and this is the absolute truth. Yeah. This is what the what it should be about. It shouldn't be politicized. Yeah. Do you know what? I, yeah. It, it yes, should. And what really it. opened my eyes coming from a hardcore democratic family, you know, all the way back to back in the day is that the democratic leaders have let me down so profoundly that now I'm saying, well, I'm looking at the other side too, because there's so much wrong with the democratic party as well. Even, and, and I go back to, and we're learning, we're growing, we're evolving, like going back to Clinton and the Monica Lewinsky thing. If that had happened today, it would have been a completely different situation for her. Yes, but it's so funny that in our conversation, you decide to take this angle in the conversation because what it says to me is because of your political system, which is bipartisan, in essence, you will always be asked, are you pro or are you con? So in 
any subject that you have, are you pro or are you con? And if you are with us, you are not against us. And to me, that is not a way to view the world and to view everything that's going on. I mean, I'm not saying I'm a scientist, but what I'm trying to say is there is nuances. There, it, it makes a division in everything you do and say. And I don't think that that is always the best way to look at things. Sometimes it is. But I mean, you know, history shows that if you go, you're either with us or you're against us. I mean, that's not very inclusive to use another word that is really, really popular right now. Well, and do you you're know what I mean? I do. And you're absolutely right. And when I was back home in the States I don't know, a couple of months ago, uh, my cousin's husband so I've been, you know, more on the conservative bent. And um, we got into the discussion about it, how screwed up the American political system is right now that we, for the first time ever, have more overlap in what we agree in than what we don't agree in. And there's these recurring themes of unity. We need to bring the country together. But I don't think that the country wants to be together exactly for what you just said, Ivana, you're either for us or against us. And there's no way that I want to sit at a table with somebody who is so dogmatic in the, yes. in the opposite direction of where my values sit. Yes. And, in, and then the, the follow-up trope is, oh, but we all have so much more in common than we don't. Well, of course we do. But the thing, it, the thing that divide, divides us is that, that 1% that does sucks up all, all the energy from yeah. everything else. And I mean, this is a theme in our friendship. I mean, you know, we may scrutinize the states right now, but let's take a look at my country. Mm. So we have too many parties in our Tweede Kamer, which means that, you know, the last formation of a government, it took us, I think, over a year. And within the year, the government... How does it, what does it say? It fell? The, the, yeah, it just no, dissolved. It, it, it dissolved? Just, yeah, it fell So apart. now we're back to new elections. And now we're back to 36 political parties that you can choose from. 36 parties? I mean, it doesn't make <laughs> sense. So, yeah. I mean, now at, at least both countries are now screwed. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not that one country does it better than the other. But, yeah. So go back to talking about your democratic upbringing, tell me. Because so, we were going left. Right, left, right. That's, but, how, that's how this podcast But you wanted goes. to say something about it. Well, no, I just wanted to um, inform our listener that the Tveta Kammer is oh, like the Dutch version of the American Congress or House of it's Representatives. Senator, yeah. Senators, yeah. So yeah. it's the collection of elected regional yes. or local representatives that... Sorry, I should have said that. No, 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 no. <laughs> We're getting through it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, rem I just have these really fond memories of my hippie Democratic dad having engaging in political discourse with my conservative Episcopalian, well, his, his stepmother, but I, I always knew her as my grandmother. And it was just fun to listen to them go at it, but it was never vitriolic. It was never without, it was just a discussion. Honey, vitriolic? You need to help me here. What does that mean? It means like acerbic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that makes sense. What? It means coming with a lot of angry, Anger, pointed like energy. guns blazing. Yeah, guns yeah. Blazing. okay. Now I get it. Thank you. I should have probably got it from context. I'm surprised that you, you actually don't know that word because sometimes you know in words in English that I am sort of self-conscious. Like, I think I know what that means. <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, I just watched a lot of Dallas and Dynasty. Not that the word vitriolic was ever in Blake's sentences no. in Dynasty, but anyway. 
Um, I'm just glad that I'm watching what's happening to America from a distance. Mm. It just seems to be very bizarre, very sad. I think that the West, all the cities on the West Coast are ha- headed for economic collapse. Uh, the the fentanyl problem there is nothing that anybody who isn't there could possibly imagine how how bad that is, how destructive that is. Um, and I'm just glad that I'm not looking at it every day. Mm. I get it. You know, but when you say that, I I do feel a little bit proud of our country and we make our own mess don't get me wrong but we're still in the top 10 of best places to live well one of the guys that i follow is this journalist named michael schellenberger and he's been very involved in getting to the root cause of why california can't fix its homeless problem can't fix its drug problem and he actually came to the netherlands and met with some of the the ministers from the 80s um i think michael's home doggy doorbell and said, how did you do it? How did Amsterdam clear up its heroin problem in, I guess, the mid-80s? And again, this is what I love about the Dutch. They said, well, we had a policy called compassion with consequences, where we figured out what everybody that was out on the streets doing drugs in the open drug market, what they wanted. And they all wanted their own private room. So they were like, fine, you can have your your own private room as long as you... Uh, submit to drug testing and as long as you're clean you can have your private room but as soon as you're not you're back out and this is the it's the with consequences piece that people on the west coast are missing so everybody's a victim we're supposed to just feel really sorry for people that ended up in this situation of no fault of their own so we're just going to let them steal a thousand dollars worth of merchandise from target which is the dutch hema every day because they need to sell it to get their drugs and don't we feel sorry for them uh, and so what's happening is that like small businesses that are sick of being robbed every week are yeah. leaving. It, it's chaos because there's no with consequences. I forgot that this was the approach we took in the 80s and the 90s. It I mean, totally again, I, I was really young back then. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, but this is the way they handled it. Yeah. Yeah. So but Americans uh, need to come to terms with the with consequences part. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that they're there yet. It's yeah. just so strange. And again, I don't think that we are the country that sets the best example of doing this because, again, with Rotterdam Haven, we are the country that processes the most drugs. We're the gateway for Europe and not just for cars. I mean, we're the gateway for Europe for drugs. So, yeah. yeah. But, you know, the Dutch have always been middlemen. You just sell the drugs on to other people. It's not like you keep it at home. No, we don't keep it in Rotterdam. uh, Oh, yeah. And really quickly, please. Uh Yeah. Very efficient. (laughs) It's a middleman economy. So, yes, we are. It's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Good. I forgot. You know things about my country that sometimes I forget. Mm. Love it. Yeah. I could go on and on. I know. You're good at this, by the way. Yeah, thanks. So and there's not that many ums and ums and ums. Uh, yeah, I've been really working at it. Yeah, but it, immediately it makes you sound really professional at this. Yeah, you too. I also have a syllabus problem, so I have to kind of Z my S's. I don't uh, think it's a problem. Well, I'm but working on it. It's a thing, maybe. Yeah. So I have a very tiny little lisb. So if I Z my S's, it tends, when it's and recorded, it softens it softens yeah. it or maybe um, you just sound canadian let's not go there that's let's not go there let's justin trudeau's not. wife is leaving him is he is she mm-hmm. does she's, that mean he's single she, <laughs> oh yeah. he's no too young thanks. for me probably uh he's um you know when i listen back to this i mean everybody hates their own voice but i'm sort of 
beyond that, what I do hate is that I probably hear myself giggle half the time. No, no, it's all right. But, you know, I find this, you know, there there is a skill being able to talk into a microphone and being able to pitch your voice and keep your energy up so that it sounds really nice to the ear because we want to have a really high quality It is not a problem because I haven't, we have, we have been talking like this forever, but just over the phone in the car, da, da, da. I mean, I'm not constantly aware that we are doing it. Well, there's something in the back of my mind, but it's not like, ooh, I'm nervous. Or No, but you already have organically a really beautiful velvety voice. Mm. Mine's a little bit up here on my nose. I have that Midwestern accent sort of, okay. oh my God, thing. So I have to, for me, with my media training, I have to lower my voice. I have to put it lower in my diaphragm. But this isn't my natural speaking voice. This is an affectation. Yes. Because my natural speaking voice sounds horrible when it's recorded, but your natural speaking voice sounds great. So you don't have to modulate mm. or anything as much as I do, like I'm doing now. Yeah. Um, but the way you're doing it right now is also playing a role. Yeah. We're not, a, you know, we're not recording a commercial for the radio. Yeah. But then so. when you hear it back, you sound like you're really exaggerating. But when you hear it back, it sounds this is what, normal. This is what you taught me when you asked me to record a commercial, actually. Yeah. For Ozarka. Our little campaign. Thank you, by the way. It, it was a great, great another great project we did, mm-hmm. by the way. Yeah. But you coached me through it because the guy, you know, the the, the what's the, the tech guy, the technical guy, he really didn't give me that much. So it was the first time for me. Yeah. And you coached me through it and you said, I don't know, you said, do it as if you tell a joke with Ronald Richardson. Do you remember Ronald Richardson? I do. And I so we taped it again, and I, you know, I... I mm, it brought a smile to your voice. Yes. Yeah. And then I listened back to it, and it was... I I, I could, yeah, I could tell the difference. So yeah, you, you, you sounded do that great. Really, yes, yeah. you do. And really Michael good. also has a really natural... His natural voice records really well. I think, yes. Yeah. So his voice, oh God, yes. I know. He's, he should, I'm so annoyed. You, he should go professional. He really that. should. I think he could yes. have done voiceover work. Yes. Um, uh, but mine, I have to fake it a little. Yeah. Uh, but then again, Beth, don't ever fucking change. <laughs> oh, I need to change. You can you can have nuances in your voice, mm. but don't ever fucking change. <laughs> Thank you. I I need to change. Yeah. Um. All right, we've already been talking for forty two minutes, so I think this was oh. a great first start. Let's go to commercial break. And we're going to wrap it up. <laughs> and next time we come back, it's going to be the podcast for real. And let's talk about Sinterklaas versus In Pocahontas. Christmas time, we will, be, we will be talking about... Oh, I had... What was the thing that I... I had the perfect analogy for... Oh, what was it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So... So Sinterklaas, we'll get into this in a proper podcast. Yes. We've been talking about this for years. It was the whole idea behind this. It was. Um, and I had the analogy of going to um, Americans and saying, well, you can no longer talk about or celebrate Santa Claus because it's ageist and it's fattest. <laughs> Um, we're all body positive now, so you can't celebrate Santa Claus anymore because he's overweight and he's old. Um, 
I know that it hurt and he it I know it hurts the feeling so much of having Santa Claus portrayed as an overweight of overweight person so overweight persons we have to think about their feelings old people we have to think about their feelings this is what it sounds like to Dutch people now I know that blackface isn't the same as like an overweight <laughs> person but we're trying to find common ground here on a very very inflammatory topic yes and I'm so proud of the conversations that we've had around this yes. because I don't think that many people could go where we've gone in trying to understand a without mutual, killing each other by yeah the way. like a, come to a mutual understanding yes um around this you know around this issue yes And in the end, you won. (laughs) It's not about winning. No, but I think that it, so here we go. I think everything around diversity and inclusion is about everybody needs to come to their own conclusions and mark this in their own time. That's right. And hopefully you do it sooner rather than later. But the whole blackface discussion Thanks to you, yes, thanks to you and our conversations, I got to the point sooner where I knew that this was no longer, well, let's say sustainable. So, I mean, the end conclusion was if I pretend to be a world citizen and it offends so many people, then we should just quit. You know, yeah, you can't have it both ways. You can't have it both Mm -hmm. ways. So, I still have my own thing in my heart, but if I pretend to be a world citizen, then I cannot, I can no longer have this opinion. It doesn't make sense anymore. Now, this would probably, if I didn't have you, I would probably still, in a way, defend blackface and don't understand the fuss around it. So, thank you for that. Now, we need to insert Pocahontas in this discussion because the reason why we had this conversation and very in-depth and why we had it is because I said, well, if we can't have blackface, then you can't have Pocahontas because to me, Pocahontas is like, well, it's the Indian girl that you killed once you set foot on American, you know, on the American coasts. Anyway. Yeah. This is, we should have a separate podcast on this or not. No, we will. It's it's, it's a summary of how we got there. I'm actually amazed because, because, America is so far off the woke cliff right now. I'm actually amazed that nobody's brought up Santa Claus yet as being offensive to overweight people or old people. I'm sure I it's mean, in the post. It's got to be on its way. He's so. he's the white 50 plus, you know, guy that... Well, see, that's the thing. So what, what are these, conver- what and, these, yeah. these conversations really come down to are power dynamics. So Santa Claus is beloved because he is the one that's giving all the presents to the little kids. He's in a position of power. Um, Maybe with the elves, we have to reconsider that elves are offensive to little people or something. The elves are the equivalent of the blackface guys, Swartbeat. So those are the equivalents because half the... I think they even used to be played in movies by... How do you, mm, I'm looking for the English word for the people that are the little people. The oh, little people. this is a perfect Dutch situation. So the Dutch word for um, a dwarf or like these words we're not allowed to use anymore, but dwarf or midget or a little person is a lilliputian. An lilliput. A lilliput. A lilliputter. 
a lily putter. By the way, from, I haven't used that word in years, from listeners. I'm sorry. Travels <laughs> like a literal fictional little character. Is it? Uh, yeah, lily. So lily put. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, is it from Gulliver's Travel? Yes. Or yeah. And you guys call. Oh my god! Lily did we? Oh my god! Actually, you might as well call them like fairies, or you might as well call them elves. <laughs> well. In real life. We should call them fairies. Well, fairies, of course, yeah. is also... But I, get, yeah. I was just oh like, god. oh my god. Oh, I know. It's quicksand, honey. Yeah, and Wait. I think that you guys still call people with Down syndromes... Downies? Well, Mon- Mongols? Oh, Mohol. No. Oh. oh, we don't do that anymore? No, we don't do Thank that anymore. God. I wasn't no. sure if you had gotten rid of that one yet or not. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, 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 no. okay, good. See, see, in their own time, we the are Dutch learning. are they're catching yeah, up. We're they're slow, but up. we're learning. <laughs> yeah, but Lilliput is... Um, yes. I, uh, by the way, we don't use that anymore. Uh, but little people that that doesn't sit very well. I also I mean that's dwarfism. I have colleagues that yeah. are, you know, they have issues with their height, like height challenged. Well, that's just being silly. No, it's not. Okay. So. Anyway, let's. Oh God, mm-hmm. this is where my fear comes in. Let's not go there. Yeah, anyway, but it's uh, yeah. There's still a few few little loose ends we got to tie up there. The political correctness. Yeah, with let's the call it a language barrier and a cultural barrier. There we go. All right, yeah. my love. Till next time, honey. Love this. Thank you. Will you have me another time? Yes, I will. Thank you. All right. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye.